Well, guys, I've got about four after. Um, as usual, we have more sign-up than show-ups. We may have one or two more join us. Um, I think we'll go ahead and get started. What I'd like to do, uh, first off, we are recording the webinar. If you didn't hear the announcement that came in when I hit the button there, uh, what we do is if somebody happens to talk about something that's confidential, we'll go back and edit those things out before we, re before we release the recording. That way you're not advertising lots of stuff to, to, the, to the whole world. Uh, so we do that sort of thing. So you, you can feel confident that we'll uh, take care of that for you. Um, and then it'll be available uh, probably sometime next week. Um, so welcome. Happy Friday. Thank you for all of you joining us today. Um, the way we're set up with these is I've, uh, I don't have a full hour of presentation set up. What I've got is some prepared material but what I'd really like to do is for you folks to join in the conversation. I think there's there's more value or at least as much value in what you have to in your questions and in your comments and any examples that you want to share as there is in what I'm presenting. So I'm always happy to have you uh, join in and comment. I'm going to let you folks manage your own mutes. Uh, I think that's that's an effective way to do that. Um, my lovely assistant, Teresa, is uh, also keeping an eye on things. If I happen to miss one of you screaming, raising your hand or something, wanting to talk, she'll come throw stuff at me. So we'll, we'll make sure we catch you one way or the other. OK. All right. Um, um, just for those of you, I, well, I pretty much know everybody, so I don't think I need to give them my bio a whole lot. Um, I think one of the things that's probably a little bit unique about me is I've actually done this kind of work, coaching and consulting, literally in hundreds. Um, but I, I've done this in a lot of manufacturing um, businesses around the world, been doing this for 30 or 40 years in various roles, and I ran a countertop shop for a couple of years as well. My first uh, countertop fab shop uh, client was about 20 years ago, so I've, I've been around this industry for a while. So um, just a quick thumbnail sketch of some of my, my background there. Um, what we're going to cover today is the article that came out first of this month, the Slippery Rock Gazette. If you haven't read it yet, you can hit our website, fabricatorscoach.com, hit blog and get a copy of the article, or you can go to slipperyrockgazette.net and it'll be the current issue. And of course, you can hit the archives and get past issues and past articles as well. So there's a lot of good information there. Um, what came out of the, the way this article came up was that I was sitting around looking at the uh, December article for last year remembering the time I was running a shop and how crazy and stressful the holidays were. Um, you know, you have challenges during the year and, and you know, some, some good days, some better days. But man, everything that's a challenge during the year just seems to get so much more intense, so much more of it uh, during the holidays. And so uh, I got to thinking about that and thinking, okay, that's holidays 2021. Uh, how do we, what can we do over the next year to get ready for holidays of 2022? How can we make that set of holidays not nearly as stressful, much more profitable for us, make our, our, our business easier to run? Uh, how do we get prepared for that? So I put together a series of 12 articles that started in January. This is the second one. Um, and of course, the whole objective is, uh, as you see in, in a lot of stuff that I put out there is, to get folks focusing on working on their business and not just working in their business. If you're working in your business, for example, then you're going out and, and, and you're, you may be running a machine, you might be doing a template, you may be making a sale or doing the books. Those are things that have you consumed working in the business and your job as the owner or as the CEO or the VP or the president 
is to is to work on your business to improve it to improve how you run your business so the business gets better because businesses just like the rest of life if if they're not getting if they're not growing and getting better and improving then they're probably dying because things rarely stay stagnant they rarely stay the same so that's that's the focus of all this and the premise of this article was you know would a football game or a basketball game be as interesting if we didn't keep score so think about how many of you watched, uh, or probably most of you, I would imagine, watched at least some of the Super Bowl, if not all of it, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, I didn't. I didn't get to watch all of it, but I heard that uh, second half was great. The end of the game was was really good. So that's uh, that's an exception for Super Bowl for Super Bowls these days. Um, but think about this for a minute. What if there was no scoreboard, and the score of the game was kept on a piece of paper that each coach had a piece of paper and the referees had a piece of paper, but no one else knew what the score of the game was. How motivated and involved would the players be? And when you think about it, isn't that kind of what we do with our P&L or with business performance in general? It's limited to just the owner or just the CEO or president or just to that group and maybe a couple of key managers, depending on the size of the business. Isn't that kind of what we do? Yep. So it's not just for the entertainment value. Keeping that score, making it visible, keeps the team involved. What if the strategy for the game, you know, each team puts together a strategy and go into halftime and adjust it as needed. But what if that strategy was known only by the coaches and by the quarterbacks? What if the running backs didn't know, the defensive line didn't know, offensive line didn't know? How motivated and involved would those folks be in the performance of the team? Yeah, they want their team to win, but how do they know what they need to do, what they need to focus on? Because this team this week is different than the team we played last week. Isn't that kind of how we treat a lot of our hourly employees? They don't really know what our strategy is, where we're going how we're going to achieve the goals that we've got, or even what our goals are in some cases. So it's not just entertainment value for us as we're watching the game, but it also has a big impact on the team as they're involved. You think about, you know, the, if the if we didn't have a scoreboard, the game certainly wouldn't be as interesting for us. I can, I can imagine some of the techie guys out there with iPads sitting in the stands, they've downloaded a couple of apps and they've got their, their uh, Apple pin and they're, they're marking how far the, the, the team is driven and the guys punch the fellow. Hey, Bob, they, they make six yards or seven yards on that last pay. What, what yard line of their own, you know, and trying to keep track of all that themselves. And how would you even watch the game? Right. But think about, you know, how does, uh, think about the, you know, that offensive lineman. I used to, I played some offensive line in high school. So I relate to them. I'm thinking about, you know, somewhere in the fourth quarter, it's been a tough knockdown, drag out game. Everybody's gassed. You look over at the, the guy next to you and say, hey, we're we're up by seven, right? We've got about two minutes to go. And the guy goes, no, 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 we're down by three, and there's 10 minutes left in the quarter. And another guy on the other side of the hole says, no, 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 we're tied, man, and there's 30 seconds left. So you know, how do you know where you are, what the status is? You think about how confusing that would be for a, a team that's pulling together, and we want our businesses to work together as teams. That's that's what people talk to me always about is, how do I get this team more motivated? How do I get people involved? How do I get them to want to do things better? Well, part of this is, what information do we give them? 
how do we share with them what's going on? Think about, you know, the play clock. Uh, what if we didn't know how many yards to the next first down? All that's real-time data. How much real-time information do we share with employees? Do any of you share any, any real-time information with your employees? Ed, this is James. I, I always have a, uh, I'm a big believer in visual displays. So I've always had out there, you know, in the places that I've been, what we did yesterday from, from a production standpoint, right? <clears throat> so, you know, whether it's printing or whether it's, uh, you know, in, uh, in a stone shop, you know, what was, our, what was our output the day before? And really, what is our goals for today? You know, what is the goal that we need to accomplish today? So I've always put those out there. As far as sharing, you know, financial numbers, that's always been a sticky one. Not for me, but for ownership. You know, I do believe in, in sharing numbers to, to the employees and saying, hey, this is where we're at. This is what we need to do. And, you know, this is how you get more money at the end of the day, right? Uh, but, you know, ownership sometimes has an issue with sharing those numbers. Yeah, certainly understandable. How many of you here um, who, who either own or run shops, how many of you share financial information like that with your employees? Anybody? Yeah, it's a common thing that I run into. Um, and, and there are a couple of ways to approach this. I mean, one is, is that um, one of the things I use is a couple of financial, what I call management accounting numbers, um, throughput dollars and operating expense dollars. Um, throughput is the cash that the business generates. Operating expense is the cash that the business burns. And if you take, say, January, for example, and we generated... $10,000 in cash, but we also burned $10,000 in cash, then the throughput dollars divided by operating expense dollars, that ratio was one divided by one, which equals 1.0, means we broke even. The business obviously needs to be greater than one. It needs to be a 1.2, a 1.3, a 1.4, somewhere in there, based on the capital needs of the business. As you guys all know, to reinvest in the business and, and, and you know the owners have to get profit, that's, that's part of why you're doing this. Um, so you can use a ratio like that, can substitute for profit, but uh, there's also, a, I think there's a role for profit. Um, I've got an example I'll give a little bit later on that uh, from personal experience, I think is, is really, really important in terms of how you deal with your people. Um, but James, it's good to hear that you've, you've posted that. Very few people in this industry or others do a really good job of posting current performance or recent past performance. You know, one of the challenges is, you know, you look at, at football, we do things, or, or baseball, basketball, March Madness is coming up pretty soon. Um, you know, we look at things in real time so that uh, we, can, we can follow the game and so the players can play the game and the coaches can manage the game. But in business, we tend to, to only give feedback uh, after the fact. Uh, you know, you get your financials in the 10th of February for how you did in January. You're already in the middle of the fight for this month, trying to go back and figure out, well, what did we do three, four, five weeks ago that had an impact on those numbers, that's hard to do. So when you get more real time, it's much easier to manage. Um, and we also rarely do things other than month to month in most cases. So keeping things in real time and you and uh, James, you talked about, you know, what was yesterday's performance? What's the plan for today? Those are all critical issues as we, as we work through this. 
Um, you know, if you think about it, look at your business today. It's mid-February. You're probably coming off a strong year for 21. January hopefully was good for you. And maybe you even got three months of orders booked. I mean, just you got deposits, signed contracts, whatever. So you probably feel like you're in pretty good shape, right? Would that be a pretty good scenario for most of you? Yeah. Okay. So what if I told you that of those three months of orders that you've got booked, that you only have templates scheduled for the next two weeks because that's all that's available to work on right now. Are you still in good shape? No. I actually had a, a longtime client call me the other day with that scenario. Uh, he said, I can't figure it out. My, my, my templates are telling me they're getting ready to run out of work. And, and the shop's not got any sense of urgency, but I've got, I, he, he told me, he said, I've got four months worth of work booked. What in the world's going on? I said, well, John, pull up your install schedule. When's your next open install date? He said, well, it's about three weeks out. I said, okay, how about the next one after that? He said, well, it's the next day. I said, how about after that? He said, we don't have any installs booked out there. I said, so what's that tell you? And he's running into the same thing that all of us are seeing. I mean, we just finished a, a, a kitchen remodel ourselves here at the house last year. Uh, you know, we ordered appliances um, between Christmas and New Year's last year. Actually, excuse me, a year ago, not last year, a year ago. This is February. Uh, they, they came in late summer, you know, and we finally wrapped everything up right before Thanksgiving. But between supply chain issues, COVID issues, uh, we were talking a little bit before we got started. Several of them you're dealing with, with weather issues. Uh, so you end up with, you know, you may have months of work booked, but you've only got a few weeks of work you can actually execute on, wrap up and get paid for. And that was John's case. He was not looking at his leading indicators. He was not looking ahead. Um, and his information wasn't displayed and readily available. He had to go dig for it and had to go find out what was going on. And think about the challenges that John's got now. Think about the conversations he's going to have with the salespeople. Uh, you know, he goes to the sales folks and say, well, well, how did our, you know, how many quotes did we do yesterday? They're saying, oh, well, we did six or seven. So is that good or bad? You don't know. Question is, all right, how many did we do the day before? How does this compare to last week, last month, last year? Because he's not tracking and trending that, he doesn't know if he's headed for a train wreck, fixing to fall off a cliff or whether he's got this tsunami of work coming at him that, you know, he's, he's, he's got to be prepared to deal with. The other thing he doesn't have is he doesn't have good visibility of that four months of work he's got booked. They're not going out and, and looking at what the status of those jobs are. They're not following up with those customers, those builders, those contractors, those retail customers to find out what the status is. It'll, it'll never be perfect information. But if you get some idea of what might be coming at you, it gives you an idea of how hard to push, right? So looking at leading indicators, keeping information displayed, staying on top of that. Um, what are some other leading indicators that some of you would, uh, would look at in this business? Would uh, showroom traffic be a good leading indicator? Yeah, that would be a good one. Yeah. How many, how many people walked in the showroom yesterday? Um, you know, and then from that, you'll, you'll get quotes out of a certain percentage of those. And then out of those quotes, you get a certain percentage of orders. So your sales folks, knowing what that, what those targets are for showroom traffic, uh, your, your marketing folks, whoever handles your social media or your outside sales, 
new sales contacts, phone calls, out, outbound calls being made, website traffic, social media hits, likes, shares, that sort of thing. Those are all leading indicators. And going back to John's example, if he had that information available, had it uh, you know, on a computer and on a spreadsheet's fine, but preferably displayed where the people who manage that information, manage those activities, deal with the outcome of those activities, can see it, and they can influence the level of those activities. They can go out and, and make changes in their social media to increase likes and hits. They can decide to put a promo out there because, hey, I got a bunch of work booked, but I don't have any install schedule three weeks out. I need to get some sales right now, so let's do a promotion on social media, see if we can convert some folks really quickly, and then we'll turn to come up the promotion off. You know, but if you don't have that visibility of what's happening with your leading indicators, you don't have the visibility of what's coming at you in showroom traffic quotes, that sort of thing. You know, John doesn't really know whether, and this is a real situation with John, he doesn't really know where he's headed because he's not tracking this information. Uh, so that's, that's a, a good example of some things that we can do in the business that helps us be proactive in managing the business. Anybody got any other examples of things that they do like that or things that they've tried to do in the past and have worked well or haven't worked? I'll uh, jump in here. Uh, one thing that we track is just the amount of quotes that we process on a day. Um, we're primarily B2B. Um, so we, we look at our quote volume um, as an indicator of what we're going to see work-wise in about two to three months. That's pretty common for what our conversion is when we do a, do a quote to when it gets approved and it's ready for measure. Um, so that, that gives us a good look into the future. Um, we've gone a step further and just recently started tracking our uh, conversion rate. So what we're taking as far as quotes to uh, from quote to approved, um, I think our last count or for last year, we were at a 36% uh, track uh, like conversion rate. Um, so looking at our year, we've, we've projected our year out from that. Um, and we're looking at a, a strong year at this point, just based off of our current quote volume, because we've done in the past, uh, month and a half, um, we've done, uh, over a quarter, excuse me, I don't have the numbers directly in front of me, um, but we, we, we were, we're, trending towards a strong year just based off the previous quote volume and your conversion rate to what we're seeing now. And that's something we've never looked at. So it's real interesting. Okay. So you're saying your quote volume is up over what the last couple of months or over last year? <clears throat> yeah. Um, or it's up significantly. Okay. And uh, did you say your conversion rate was increasing as well? We just have the data from last year, so we had a 36% conversion rate from last year. So okay. we're just uh, extrapolating that for this year. All right, so the rest of you on the call, what suggestions might you make to TJ on maybe how to improve how he's tracking that data and, and how he's analyzing the data? Any thoughts? TJ, what I'm hearing is you're kind of looking at all of last year. Have you got the data in a format where you can break it down by month? Uh, yes, we do. Okay. Um, do you already have it broken down by month? Yes. Okay. 
So if you look at your conversion rate and your quote level uh, month to date for February compared to February of last year, do you know if, I mean, can you, is the data available that you can go back and see how much stronger it is? It, it is. I don't have it in front of me, so I can't tell you that number right now. Um, okay. But I know, I know it's, it, it, it's significantly more than what we had did last year at this time. Okay. So do you know why? Yeah, um, we so going into February of last year, we didn't have any was uh, like a full time sales person. Um, we had one of our we hired an outside salesperson in about uh, March of last year, uh, and with him going out and getting in front of more people, uh, doing his job, we've seen increasing quotes from him. Okay. Awesome. You've got good cause and effect there, not just correlation. you got cause and effect. And you guys know the difference between correlation and cause and effect, right? Correlation is countries that have the highest number of telephone poles per capita have higher incidence of cancer. That would be correlation. Cause and effect is do telephone poles cause cancer? So, <laughs> sorry, a little side joke there. Um, but yeah, TJ, you've got good cause and effect. You know what's happening and why. So is your quote rate, has it been going up the last 90 days? And is your conversion rate going with it? Our conversion rate has uh, stayed consistent. Okay. All right. Is your quote volume going up or is it staying pretty much the same the last uh, three or four months too? I do not know the answer to that. Ah, okay. All right. And, and, and part of the reason I ask is not to, to put you on the spot, but I think it's a really good example of, okay, you've got some good data. What do we do with that data? You know, where, where do we provide that data? Who gets to see it? Who needs to see it? How do we display it? And you talked about scoreboards of a football game, but when you start looking at data in your business, what data does your sales team need to see? Where does it need to be posted? How does it need to be displayed? What data do they need that's different than your shop? What do they need if you're large enough to have a separate, you know, customer service and scheduling group, for example? You know, some businesses are big enough, some aren't. But, you know, do those folks need different metrics than the installers and the shop guys? You know, and it's, and it's looking at those types of things and making them real time that's really key. Um, you know, we, we talk about profit being a lagging indicator. You know, the, uh, about a week ago you, or early this week, you probably got your P&L for last month. But it's mid-February. You've got installs scheduled out into March. How much money have you planned to make in February? Do any of you know that? And are you on track or not? How much profit did you make yesterday? How much profit do you plan to make today, Friday? How much profit do you plan to make on Monday? Getting more real time with your data. Uh, I know sharing, you know, profitability numbers is, is a challenge for some folks. The, the throughput dollars, operating expense dollars. Um, there's an article on the website, um, Stop Counting the Square Feet You Produce. Talks through how to calculate throughput and operating expense. If you hit fabricatorscoach.com and go to the blog, that article's in there. Um, it's a really good discussion on how to use those numbers, but you can, you can take those numbers and figure out how much profit did we make yesterday? And the value of that is, for example, let's say you planned on making based on what you scheduled 
what you plan to actually install for yesterday, you plan to make $2,000 worth of profit. So you sit down this morning and say, okay, so how did we do yesterday, team? Well, we did okay. Great. Everything go as planned? Well, you know, that Smith job, we we broke the, the top that had the sink cut out of it. We got to do a remake. Great. We got to cut in another slab. Now that $2,000 profits dropped to maybe $1,200 because the slab cost us $800. Okay. So you've got more real-time feedback rather than waiting until early March to find out the impact of that incident on February's P&L. Now you can know what happened, start taking action on how we prevent that in the future. Uh, if you've got a situation like John has where you've got open install dates coming up and you're staying on top of that, you can start you know, planning ahead. So being more real-time with the data really gives you a lot of good options. Uh, you can answer the question for how much profit do you plan to make on Monday? And let's say you're burning cash at the rate of $2,000 a day, but your, your scheduler is only scheduled enough work for you to generate $1,500 in cash on Monday against the $2,000 that you burn every day. What do you do then? So a good leading indicator that you can start looking ahead, and that ratio can help you with that. And we talked about trending data. You guys have all seen that. And you know what the, the value of that is. You know, one of the keys is people come to me and say, you know, how do I get my team more involved? We all want these strong, engaged, empowered teams. Obviously, part of that is giving them the data and then helping them understand how they can impact those numbers. You know, when a team really understands how it's progressing against the goal, then it can adjust its strategy to, to compensate for changing conditions. That's really key. Uh, that's where we all want to end up is that the team's making these decisions and we're not having to, to, to push the rope all the time. We're not having to herd the cats. Data is a big part of that. Data is not the only thing, but it's one thing that that is missing a lot in this industry. Uh, I see it in lots of manufacturing plants where it's a challenge. Those who are doing skewed up boards and lean, you know, they're getting a lot of stuff going on and, and, and you see more data there. You don't see much of that in this industry. And so, I don't want to get data crazy where we're tracking, you know, dozens of different indicators. Just a few key ones can really make all the difference in the world. But a team really needs to know how well it's playing the game, how well it's performing, so they can improve their performance. Anybody, Henny, uh, James, you talked about the fact that you, you you tend to use data like this in places you've been in the past. Um what kind of, of uh, what have you done that's worked well and, and what kind of things have you run into that didn't work well? Uh, some of the things that worked well, you know, it, it's good to have competition up there as well. You know, so when somebody sees the data of what they've done or what we've done, uh, you know, it's how do we beat that? You know, how do we beat that data from, you know, from yesterday, right? Or from last week. Um, for sales, what I've always done is, you know, I, you know, I put a goal out there. I say the goal is blank. And then every Monday I send out a chart that says, this is where we are to the goal. Right. Uh, now I like that. I think that works very well. Some people don't like that though. Right. Cause you know, they're, they feel like you're micromanaging them, micromanaging them along the way when you're, when you're showing them too much data. So, but, uh, I've always felt just giving them as much data as possible, like you're, like you're saying, right? Engage the team. Well, the best way to engage the team is, hey, guys, this is what we're doing. This is where we're at. You know, this, you know, this is what we need to be in order for us to have a successful month. 
in a successful year. So if we do these things, you know, uh, we're, we're going to get there. If we don't do these things, we're not. So I feel that uh, sharing the data is important. But again, you know, the, the things that don't work is I think some people feel a little intimidated by the data. And I think the reason is, too, is because we as leaders aren't where it intimidates people is, you know, you're, you share the data with them. And as leaders, we need to make sure that we're explaining and we've explained the expectations of what that data really is, what, it, what, what we're driving that data to. And one of the things that I think that doesn't work is when you you just throw data out there, but you don't give them the explanation of what it is and why you're doing that. Yeah, I would agree. Explaining the data and helping folks understand how they impact the data is yeah. really important. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges. I mean, two challenges I see a lot with data and manufacturing. One is getting good data. And that's one of the reasons I'm a fan of, of fewer metrics rather than more. Uh, I, I walk into some plants who are doing a lot of lean stuff and they've got metrics on top of metrics on top of metrics. And, you know, then there's this cartoon that says, you know, stand in front of this wall that's full of graphs and charts and numbers. And people are looking at it saying, okay, so what's this one down in the right hand, lower right hand corner? And it's, it says, well, that's the metric that shows us how well we understand what all this stuff means, you know, because you can have too much at times. So having too much data, uh, it's tough in manufacturing sometimes to collect accurate data. So knowing what needs to be precise and what doesn't is important. And then as you were talking about, James, making sure folks understand how they impact those numbers. And I think even going a uh, step beyond that to, you know, what authority do they have to make decisions and take different actions that will impact those numbers favorably? Um, so I think those, those are all important aspects. Um, Dan, you've worked in, in industries other than, than countertop fabrication. Uh, have you done anything along this line? Yeah, we're starting to do this. And we're, we just had a conversation yesterday about, um, in, my old, in my old life, we, we, obviously we did this a lot. It was, it was um, constant, but our, our uh, audience was different. My audience was different, just a, a different uh, role, person, and that kind of thing. So what we're struggling a little bit with here is we want to communicate things uh, to our teams. Um, There's certain things that we probably shield away from good or bad. I, I don't know. Um, things that are, I guess, a little bit proprietary to us, maybe things like revenue for a month or something like that. We don't share broadcast that uh, yet uh, across our entire teams. Uh, so we're trying to figure out things because we want to share things so that they take ownership in what we do and they have some pride and impact on it. Um, and the challenge we're, we're trying to figure out is across all levels of the organization, how are we able to communicate um, things that, that folks understand and they care about and they feel like they're, uh, they can impact, you know? And so it's like, okay, what do we do? Do we keep it simple and basic like square footage or Ed, in your terminology, we translate that into something like throughput? Do we do growth? So we've, we've, this is hot on our topic because we just talked about it a couple of days with uh, some of the ownership group here and trying to figure out the, to give them enough that they want, but not too much to overwhelm and, and, and feel like, um, so I don't mean this anyway, but get lost in it where it becomes something that they don't quite uh, understand and grasp. And that's to all levels of the organization. We're trying to figure that out because um, we want to be transparent, certainly um, as you're creating ownership within all of them. So that's where we stand right now. And, um, and my background comes from over transparency all, all the way around. Uh, and uh, we're trying to figure out how to do that the right way here. 
Yeah, it's certainly a challenge. Um, sure. I mean, I've got some clients who share profitability data and some who don't. Uh, the thing that I always lean toward just in my own personal preferences is sharing it uh, when I know folks can understand it. And I think that's the biggest challenge an owner has is, you know, a typical employee doesn't understand how much of data does it take to run this business? What's the power bill look like? The insurance, the rent, the depreciation on the equipment in the building. You know, that new CNC we've been wanting or that new RoboJet we've been wanting, uh, those things cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Making sure we've got money to pay for that. Uh, you know, how do we handle it when, when uh, I think, um, TJ, you were talking about the weather. You guys had to shut down for a few days. Well, some of your costs don't stop while the place is closed. And you guys know that. Yeah. Um, I had a, I, I worked for a, a textile plant early in my career and we were, you know, 30 acres under one roof, bales of cotton and polyester fiber coming in one end, packaged sheets and pillowcases going out the other end. And, and um, the part that I was in was the, had the, the cut sew, the package and the warehousing operation, shipping operation. And we were having, this was in the early days of barcodes. We were having to start to put barcodes on packages. That meant we had to have scanners on the line. We had to have computers on the line. People had to be able to read and write. And, you know, we had some, you know, 10, 20, 30 year employees, that kind of seniority that were really good, capable employees could not read and write. So we had a choice. We could, you know, put the requirement out there and fire them if they, you know, if they couldn't read or write, or we could make the investment and teach them to read and write. So we went out and we, we pulled together a team of people. We put the classes together. And because the plant was, was near a, a local university, went and rented one of the halls and Every time we had a class, we had a man, they got up and they walked across the stage. We played pop and circumstance. They wore cap and gown and, and we handed out certificates and, you know, people got their GEDs and we had grandmothers and grandfathers coming to us with tears. And I said, now I can read my grandkids report card. You can bet I'm going to be holding them accountable for sure. You know, we had an impact on people's lives. And you think about, and I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost soapbox here a little bit. So I apologize, but. You, know, you think about the fact that that people don't learn a lot about finance and about running a business and even managing their own personal business or household finances. You don't learn that much in school, if at all. Uh, and so if we have the opportunity to teach folks about those kinds of things, give them skills that help them improve their lives, as tough as it is to find good employees, if we're doing taking the time to invest in the employees that we have, teaching them about this, they were also giving them skills to help them, but then they begin to understand our business as well. And the more they under this, you know, this whole session today is about helping folks understand our business better so they can be part of the team improving the business. So that's that's kind of my, my sermon for, uh, apologize for the sermon there, for, for, you know, talking about profit, talking about real financials and sharing that information. But I do realize a lot of folks are not comfortable with that. And folks, you know, at the end of the day, it's your business, it's your decision. You know, nobody's going to force you to do anything you don't want to do. But that's where, uh, again, the throughput and operating expense comes in really handy because you can, you can give them a good indicator of, you know, how well did we win? You know, did we win the day yesterday? How are we doing so far this month? And you can use those metrics, throughput and operating expense metrics, uh, in a way that helps give them that feedback and also protects you know, your, your personal financial information, if, if that's the case. So go grab that article and, and check it out. And if you've got any questions, give me a call. But I appreciate you guys sharing that with us. Anybody else got any other examples of, of that type of thing? Well, Ed, if I could, I'm going to chime in for a minute. 
Sure. Um, as you know, I mean, I'm a big advocate for throughput accounting, and uh, I use it in my business, both businesses, for you know, 14 years. Um, and it worked out very well for us. I mean, we, we track throughput and shared throughput numbers with our managers. On the shop floor, we basically uh, reduced that down to a productivity score, uh, what you had uh, touched on very early on where the 1.0 was break even. You know, we had a 1.13 that we had a, as a goal, daily goal. And we also use it to incentivize the shop floor people that if we could surpass that 1.13 would, you know, buy pizza at the end of the week or other things that we would do for the shop guys. But the managers had the throughput numbers and knew what we had to do on a daily basis. Um, our scheduler would have to schedule that throughput goal on a daily basis, which was the installs, basically. And uh, everybody in the company, we ran um, by those numbers religiously. And it worked very well for us. Uh, we, we started implementing that in 2005 in our company. And uh, we were very profitable every year we maintained it. There were years that we did not maintain that and we suffered for it and got back on board with it. And it worked very well for us. Did you guys uh, go so far as to use that productivity ratio, that ratio of throughput to operating expense to drive any type of financial bonus? Well, we actually looked into doing that, incentivizing the employees to a bonus program, yes. Um, we, uh, we worked with Ed Ligon, as you know, uh, from the industry, and uh, we had a uh, spreadsheet set up for that. We were just never able to get it to work properly for every employee in the company. Um, and uh, I wanted to treat everybody fairly, so I, uh, I just never you know, pulled the trigger on it, basically, because I just didn't feel it was something that we could do fairly across the board without it looking like we were bonusing managers over shop people. Yeah, that's a challenge. Uh, trying to, you know, you figure out what the pot of money is going to be once you get past that threshold for that productivity number, then figuring out, okay, how we're going to share this and doing it in a, in a meaningful and equitable way. That's, that's always the toughest part well, of that. We did it was we, we tried, you know, things that were within their control. Basically we had um, attendance, um, you know, seniority, things, how long people were with the company. Uh, but the attendance was something that was within their control. So the pot got divided uh, lower because if they weren't uh, present, somebody else had to pick up the slack. So they, the other person should be able to benefit more than they should. You know, so we, we tried our best to get it to work well, but I just was never comfortable enough to implement it. Yeah. Hey, Ray, that. can I ask you a question real quick? Sure. Yep. Did you have somebody who was in charge of tracking that information for you, or was that something that you were just doing yourself? Well, the throughput numbers were easy enough to track. We had a spreadsheet that uh, that we um, um, had used for tracking the numbers comes basically from your, um, I mean, the throughput was originally from uh, what we needed to earn each day, obviously. So... The, we would have weekly throughput meetings um, and every manager, I mean, the numbers were given to them, but that was pretty much me just uh, managing the spreadsheet that we had. And one other thing that we benefited from this information was also in talking with my bank, I was able to better predict what the company could do by the end of the month based on what I already 
had scheduled than waiting for the end of the month for PL. And my bankers were uh, impressed by the fact that we were pretty much right on with our target numbers every time we sat down. What else did that ability to predict your PL do for you, Ray? Well, uh, off the top of my head, I can't can't think right now, Ed. Uh, okay. I know, I know it's yeah. been a while. I just was curious. Yeah, it was, it's been a few years, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, Ray, it's Dan. Sorry to interrupt. Ray, it's Dan. Yeah. It's interesting what you were saying. You were talking about the throughput, and Ed and I have had a chance to talk about that. And just to refresh, I'm, I'm new to the industry. So um, you had kind of touched on you were a little bit uncomfortable uh, incorporating that into uh, any kind of incentive program or whatnot. Can you, can you elaborate a little bit on uh, if you're willing to share like what that was, was it an understanding piece or was it a calculation piece or, or what prevented you from moving forward on that side? Well, like I said, um, it was more the impression I was giving to the entire company that I wasn't favoring management over shop people. Um, it was, it had to be fair for everybody. And I had to be able to get that across everybody that was there. It was based upon a strict formula that was within their control that would benefit them or penalize them. Um, and pretty much that was what it was. And I just couldn't get it to the point where I was comfortable enough to implement it. And you're talking primarily about the split. You've got you know, yeah. $10,000 worth of uh, a pot of money to, to dole out this week or this month, who gets how much of that? What percentage? That was kind of the issue for you. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that can be a, a bit of a challenge and you've got to educate folks and you've got to, you know, uh, it, it takes a while. And, and Dan, you were talking about some of the conversations you guys are having, trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. Um, the short recommendation for all of that is, is have conversations with your folks, get them involved. As you start looking at posting data, you know, ask your sales folks, what do you need to see? Ask your production folks, what do you need to see? Where do we want to display it? Uh, and I've got some, some, um, some previously asked questions that people pop up. And one of them is, is, um, you know, what's the best way to display the data? Well, you know, the Nike a method, just do it. Uh, I don't push technology for the sake of technology, but this is one place that comes in handy. Um, I'm a big fan of starting off just with whiteboards and flip charts and doing this on a daily basis. And then as you kind of get the metrics fine-tuned and you've got a good way to, to generate them and, and a good way to track them, then you can start looking at, you know, going to a live TV monitor or something like that. Um, but uh, starting off with technology sometimes can make it a little tougher. So just get your folks involved in terms of what they want to see and how they want to see it is a really good way to go as far as displaying this data and reporting it. Ed, Ed we, um, that's what we did. We had a whiteboard out in a shop that was maintained by the shop foreman. And we had the weekly, I'm sorry, the daily throughput, the week, I'm sorry, productivity scores, uh, the weekly, monthly, and yearly productivity scores posted so that the employees could see that every day when they came in as it changed. Did you guys use uh, that daily stand-up buffer management meeting as part of your process, Ray? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, hit the website under tools. There's a management rhythm tool that talks about a daily stand-up, just a literally 15-minute stand-up status meeting where you can track the key indicators, look at what happened with your installs yesterday, track your status on your throughput dollars and your productivity ratio, uh, all, all those details are in that tool. Just, just hit the tools page on Fabricators Coach 
uh, put your information in and, and you can get a, uh, automatically get a download and, and get access to that. If you have any trouble with it, just reach out to me. Uh, but just really simple, basic, regular management meetings like that that don't take forever and don't take a huge amount of time can be really effective in helping leverage this data so that you get better effect with your folks. It was basically yeah, a five to 10 minute meeting between the key people to ensure that we had enough whip on the floor, we had enough scheduled uh, so that we were going to meet our goals on a daily, weekly basis. Yeah, part of what Ray, Ray was talking about, you know, Ed Ligon and, and things he did a while back. Um, Ray was part of uh, a program we had. Whew, let's see, this was started off about uh, 03 or so and ran to the recession. It's called the DuPont program, where we took the concepts that you see me talk about and write about a lot. And we took those, uh, DuPont asked us to take those into their largest fabricators nationwide. And so there was a team of us that went out and did this kind of work in, in companies. Uh, and, and one of them, it tur turns out that three of us had the first name of Ed. So, <laughs> our motto was, if you got a problem, yell Ed, and somebody's going to come and run it. <laughs> so, uh, we actually ended up on the same site one time. It was a little confusing. So hopefully this has been helpful for you. Uh, I really appreciate all of you sharing. That's really, I think, a, a big key to sessions like this is that you folks share what you've done, what has worked, what hasn't. Uh, I think that always is, is a big value for all the attendees. So I thank you all for, for being willing to do that. As you start looking at applying these techniques, if you need any help applying this to your business, you know, please uh, reach out to me. Uh, be happy to, to give you a hand. Here's my contact information. I think most of you probably already have it because I've talked to all of you in the past anyway. Um, for those of you I haven't done an assessment for, uh, I do offer a free personal assessment. It's about an hour, hour and a half on the phone. Uh, we can schedule it and we can talk about what's going on in your business. I can make some suggestions, recommendations on things to do. Some of you I've done that with before. I hope it's been helpful. Uh, but uh, it's something I like to do for folks because it's a way to, it's not a sales pitch. It's just a way to, to, to give you some ideas on things you can work on today in your business. But I want to thank you folks for taking time out of your day. I hope this has been helpful for you. Like I said, if you've got any, any questions or comments, feel free to, to reach out to me. And I hope all of you have a great weekend. Thanks for showing up. Thank Thanks, you. Ed. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ed. Thanks, guys.